Welcome to What's Leadership. I'm Liz Wiltsey. The more I learn about leadership, the more I'm convinced there's not a one-size-fits-all solution. So I am on my own learning journey, and I invite you to join me. Ebony Janice reminds me that being open about my journey is important. Each episode features someone I admire with actionable insight to share. So please join me as I ask, what's leadership? Today I'm welcoming Jake Ernst, who is a therapist, writer, and speaker based in Toronto, Canada. In his work, Jake is interested in unexplored feelings, unprocessed trauma, and unmet attachment needs in childhood and adolescence as catalysts for mental unhealth and unwellness in adulthood. Jake works with teens, young adults, and parents primarily. Through speaking, workshops, and writing, Jake explores the bold and vulnerable stories which are rarely told or brought to the forefront. He dives deep into the uncomfortable and seeks to expand and reimagine our understanding of how relationships, pain, trauma, and mental health impact our lives. He also just launched a podcast called This Isn't Therapy, and he pioneered a framework called Roots of Safety, which has changed the way that I think about a lot of things. And that's really why I asked him to be here, because I think there's so much to talk about. So Jake, thank you so much for being with me. What, what? This is so exciting. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) So Jake, tell me, I know Someone has said roots of safety are trauma-informed love languages. Do you think that's accurate? Not accurate? Where are yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. That was actually me that said that. I thought so, someone uh, else said it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's actually the, the best way I can explain what the roots of safety model is by relying on kind of another well-established framework to be able to really kind of get down to the nitty-gritty of how I understand this model, but also how I understand that it can be applied. I draw on the love languages framework as kind of a baseline for explaining what the the roots of safety model is, because I think it's fluid and dynamic. And I think it changes as we grow in our relationships. And then also just like in our ways of seeking and looking for love. And so the roots of safety model is the exact same in that it's fluid, dynamic, and that it is constantly changing and growing and moving like as you are growing, expanding, healing, all those types of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for folks who aren't as familiar with it as I am, walk them through what Roots of Safety is uh, and how they could sort of get at it in their lives. Of course. So the Roots of Safety model is, like I said, it's a fluid and dynamic model where I kind of look at it like a wheel in the sense that there are eight different spokes uh, to it. And so the eight different spokes or the eight different roots are descriptors for the ways in which we fluidly access safety. And so just off the top of my head, I can tell you about a few of them. So one of them is inner guidance. And so this is the root of safety that I think a lot of wellness practitioners use and apply pretty liberally, but also pretty commonly. And so that is all the inner resources that we help people use in order to access a sense of safety within themselves. And the way that I um, understand that specifically is through the language of self-guidance or inner guidance. And so that one specifically is about all the ways that within ourselves we can resource our own sense of safety. In creating this model, what I was really particularly aware of was the ways in which that is different for everybody. So some of the spokes or some of the roots are relational, meaning that we can't get that sense of safety without being in relationship with someone else or something else. 
And so part of what that looks like is uh, those can be like sensory experiences. So like a connection to my senses through my experience of the world with other people or with other objects such as nature or just like being out and perhaps using a hobby, perhaps being involved in a social movement. Those can be a, a relational uh, experience that we have. So one of the, the spokes is sensory experiences. One um, is also uh, quality relationships. One is also common humanity, which really is just about that, like really common, like form of connection that allows us to access safety. And so really in terms of roots of safety, the way that I define safety is through the language of finding ways for our nervous system at like a very kind of core level to feel a sense of calm, relationality, connection, availability. And so part of what that looks like for a lot of people is not necessarily like an absolute form of safety, but actually just a safer or a safest practice. So I don't look at safety as a binary. It's not like you're either safe or unsafe. I look at it as a spectrum. We're always moving on this like scale of like moving towards things that are safer or moving towards things that are safest. So it's not to say that there's only one safety option. And so the the way that I capture, and this is, I guess, the fundamental component of the roots of safety is that we are always safety seeking. And so uh, that's the language that I use to describe how we move in terms of, of locating our roots or which roots are most safe for us is this idea of safety seeking. I know one of my favorites is structure and certainty. Oh yeah. <laughs> I forgot to mention that. Religion. Yeah. <laughs> and I will just say for folks, um, there will be just details for you. And Jake has this written up um, on his website in ways that can be accessed as well as his Instagram, which I will link you to as well. So, so Jake, one of the things when I started digging into this via a webinar with you and then your Instagram was thinking about the way roots of safety play out at work mm -hmm. and how both as individuals, we can kind of help ourselves. And then also as leaders, how we can kind of keep the roots of safety open for other people. So I'm wondering if you have some thoughts about roots of safety in the workplace. Oh, I love that. Keeping roots of safety open for other people. I think that is just fundamental to, to a workplace uh, that is safe, right? Is, is allowing people to decide for themselves, like how they want to access safety at work. One of my great learning role models, Kim Ketrin, she often talks about the golden rule. So we know the golden rule is treat others the way that you want to be treated. And she does a really amazing reframe of the golden rule and she calls it the new golden rule. And the new golden rule is treat people how they would like to be treated as opposed to assuming that everyone wants to be treated the way that we want to be treated. And I think that is just so profound and it's actually a way that I incorporate the, the roots of safety in my work with clients, but then also in a lot of the trainings that I've done, like in workplaces or um, training for staff as a way to apply this in their lives. And so I, I always sort of suggest that the number one way that we can apply this at work is we have to know how it functions within ourselves, And we have to have, we have to start cultivating that own awareness of how is this showing up for me personally? The only way that we're going to really be able to recognize those dynamics in other people or to be able to apply it in say like our workplace, which is a really like a, it's just, you know, a group of people coming together. It's a big relational experience. And it's also not an experience that we've chosen in terms of, you know, who we sort of are taking up space with, which means that there are many things that are in our control and out of our control. Largely, the way that I, I say that we need to start thinking about in the frame 
of which we should come at this with is, is we have to start applying it to ourselves so that we can start to apply it for other people. Yeah. One of the things that stuck with me from the jump talking about this was what you said, but the idea that we can't figure it out for somebody else. Like you actually, in your first, the first webinar that I went to about this, there's a slide that's like, what is safety? And you're like, joke's on you. <laughs> there's not, like, essentially, like, there's not one way no. to get there. Do you think it's fair to say that one of the mistakes a lot of leaders make is assuming that, like, there's only one or two? Yeah, exactly. And I think that to expand on that, one of the biggest mistakes that I see leaders making is assuming that people are accessing safety in the same ways that they need to access safety. And so instead of asking people like, you know, what is it that you need to feel successful at work? Or what is it that you need to feel safe at work? We often assume that we all need to feel safe in the same way that we do. And that's why I like using the love languages model too, because I think that's also equally true in applying a model or a framework like the love languages, right? And so I like roots of safety because it's dynamic and relational in the sense that I can figure out how it is that I personally access safety, but I can also use the exact same model and the same tool to figure out and map out for people how they can access safety too. And so it, again, shows the idea that we don't have to have the same roots and that's okay, right? But really the core and like the, what's at the root of it all is just, again, the fact that safety is, is an important part of feeling well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually think about the ways that they can be implemented on an organizational wide level. So like one of them is also private retreat. Mine are private retreat, structure and certainty, and I'm pretty sure inner guidance. Are, <laughs> like, are we the same person? <laughs> I, I think are, are mine. Um, but the idea that like some people are going to need to feel connected and some people are going to need an escape hatch. And mm -hmm. like both of those things kind of need to exist in a physical space. And then there's, you know, common humanity pieces and protective pieces where people need to feel like they're being cared for. And what's interesting is that in the worksheet, this is true, but definitely on the, your Instagram post about it, there's a, a longer list under inner guidance. There's like 12 things. And so I have actually taken those posts and like circled the ones that apply to me. And what I find is, and I've asked other people to do that as well. And I find it really helpful, but I find there's something in each of the eight buckets that is real for me. So I may say like, those are sort of my three heavy hitters, which is true, but there's something in each of them that I'm like, yes, to that. Exactly. I call the model the great equalizer because what it does is it actually just sort of like you're saying is it is allows us to draw on each of them and allows us to see the value in each of them, but then also at the very same time have our preferences, right? Or have like maybe our most safe options. And what I like about it is that it and what people might find is that it's actually dependent upon the situation. It's dependent on the environment that changes our roots of safety. And I think in terms of that great equalizer idea. It's this idea that actually no root of safety has a judgment or a value attached to it. They're all equally allowed, accessible, and they're all equally, I'm trying to just really sort of paint a picture that like, there's no value put on them. They're all available to us in the way that we need them to be. And I don't mean that like, everyone can access like certain roots in the same ways, because we know that is not true. There are certain, uh, roots of safety that are absolutely and indeed a privilege to be able to access and utilize. But I do think that there is availability just in terms of finding some sense of safety in all of those different buckets, kind of as you were saying. 
And I've gotten this question a lot, like how does this apply to people who are experiencing ongoing violence or ongoing oppression where safety is not uh, a resource that is absolutely or um, as accessible. And that's why I like the idea of, of framing it just in terms of, well, we're just trying to move the meter. We're just trying to get a little bit safer or trying to access safety in a new and maybe a little bit more of a regulating kind of way. And so it's not to say that you're ever going to achieve full safety because I, to your earlier comment around the definition of safety, I don't, no one is ever completely and indefinitely safe. Again, we're just constantly moving in and out of this idea of, of feeling more safe, more regulated and more available for connection. Mm-hmm. So there's a piece in there of a hierarchy within sort of mental health, right? And you said it at the beginning that a lot of therapy relies on inner guidance, but like inner guidance is one of eight. Mm -hmm. And so this notion where, you know, and what we see a lot, I think, in the sort of modern wellness, the sort of pseudoscience wellness, and I'm not saying that is what this is, but like that sort of Instagram wellness that says like breath work and meditation which no shame on breathwork and meditation, but that it's like one of many. And if we start thinking that's the best way for everyone, then we're missing this broader idea. And then people are sort of like feel shame about the ways they feel safe. Like, I think there is some of that in terms of, I know one of yours under private retreat is like a dark room, right? And there is some sort of stigma around like, I need to retreat to a place that has no humans and no stimulus, where plenty of folks feel like that's not okay. So I think there's that piece in it as well. Absolutely. And I think also what you're highlighting is the fact that a lot of our Western or Eurocentric models of healing they tend to focus on like the individual. They tend to focus on what is the individual's capacity to change their world, to change their perspective, to change their mindset, and then access this like imaginary or this like unique form of like where we where like symptoms are gone or like we like we don't have anxiety or something like that, right? And and I think that is dangerous thinking, first of all, but I also think that it's a lot more complex and necessarily complex because I am of the belief that just as humans and as a species, we're a social species, we need relationships in order to stay well. We need community in order to stay well. And so that was at the forefront of my development of this model because uh, I know that we can't just do it by ourselves. We, we can't, we just can't. A lot of the work, a lot of the choices that we make will be ours and will, a lot of the, the work is obviously from within and we can heal from the inside out, sort of, so to speak. But I like to use the analogy of like, you know, if we were to go away and like isolate ourselves, like in the woods, like by ourselves and be forced to kind of heal from a lot of the the hurt that we've experienced in our life, I'm just not convinced that we would totally be able to do it um, by ourselves in that kind of isolatory by ourselves kind of way, which just speaks to like the power of connection, but also speaks to the ways in which safety is very relational and safety is very much dependent upon our relationships, the culture in which we live our upbringing, our parenting, the parenting that we received, maybe also the parenting that we're giving or reproducing, but also just like how we experience the world. And so that's why I I like models that are more dynamic and like offer nuance and offer multiple explanations. Because to your point, I think that also allows us to escape some of the shame. Mm -hmm. So Jake, the other question I like to ask everybody is what are you grappling with? Oh, what am I grappling with? I'm grappling with what I'm going to eat for dinner because I'm really hungry. I'm grappling with a lot of the, the complex parts about being human. 
I'm grappling with a lot of the things that you're kind of mentioning around like social media use and grappling with this idea of what parts of me are allowed to show up on a platform such as Instagram, where I'm showing up obviously as a therapist, but I want to be a human first. I'm grappling with the idea of being able to show up as all the complex and whole parts of myself and not just like one specific box about what my profession sort of mandates that I show up as. I'm grappling with the idea that I want to be a complex human, but also know that like I'm also a pretty simple person. I think that I'm holding like many of those parts too, that like that's challenging. And then I'm also grappling with the fact that you can see I'm grappling with a lot of things. So I'm just going to keep going. (laughs) I'm grappling with the fact that our culture is so like fast paced and wants us to speed up and my body wants me to slow down. And I think that part of how that just shows up for me is the fact that I'm grappling with the fact that I'm a white person in 2020 right now. And there's a lot of racial trauma that has not only come to the surface because it's been at the surface and it's been here for a long time, but I'm grappling with sort of what my role is in all of that and um, how I can meaningfully show up for not only just the black people in my life, but also just my black clients or people who are not having a, a good go right now. Yeah, I guess there's room for it all, right? Anything from the ways that the pandemic is sitting for folks and all the way down to what I'm going to have for dinner tonight. So mm-hmm. all of it, I'm grappling with it all, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> I grapple with what I'm eating for dinner all the time. <laughs> yep. I, uh, it's funny you say that because I, I go down, I, I always kind of return it back to like, what are my basic needs? As someone who like growing up, like didn't really get to like figure that out. Cause I only really f- started to figure that out. Like as I became an adult, But it's just fascinating, just like when you start to tune into your body and be like, oh, I'm thirsty right now. Or like, oh, I have to use the bathroom, (laughs) right? And like, those are some of the basic needs that I think go to the wayside, like when we're not in tune with what our body needs in this current moment. And I'm constantly working at that. I'm constantly like checking with my body and, and having to consciously do that. So yeah, yeah. For those of us who weren't raised that way, it's tricky to like learn that later feels much harder. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like a whole new like language, right? And that's the challenging part. Jake, thank you so much. This has been lovely. I appreciate it. Always love chatting with you. Holy crap. Love chatting. For detailed show notes, please visit the number four needs dot work slash podcast. If you liked this episode, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Jake's Roots of Safety model is featured in a field guide to naming your needs at work, which is an interactive tool with more than 30 exercises to help you live your best work life. It is also available at fourneeds.work.